0: Hello and welcome to the Spooky Shelf Podcast. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. In this podcast, we explore the horror movies which make up my guest's perfect DVD shelf. With all the streaming services available to us, I wanted to give my guests the opportunity to curate their ultimate horror DVD shelf, with 13 titles which stand out to them as the best the genre has to offer. For this episode, I was thrilled to be joined by Becky Dark, who you'll know from The Final Girls, Don't Point That Horror at Me, Evolution of Horror, and Eerie Indiana. When I started The Spooky Shelf, Becky's was one of the first names I wrote down to invite onto the show, so I was really chuffed, and quite surprised, when she said yes. Remember to subscribe to The Spooky Shelf podcast so you can keep up to date with more guests from the online horror community. And let me tell you, I've got some incredible guests coming up, so you really do want to keep listening. So without further ado, let's go and put up a spooky shelf with Becky Dark. My guest today is a writer a podcaster, a final girl, and a bloody dream warrior, it's Becky Dark. Hello. Hi, Becky. I was. I said this, I just got off recording with Brad, and I did a little Steve Wright sort of applause, and it just sounded pathetic. So <laughs> I th- I'll go with a massive builder, and then none of the crescendo. Love
1: it, love it. That's all right. I'm here with my, my usual, um, like, I don't know, my, my stereotypical enthusiasm to just scream into the mic at you for any crescendo <laughs> you need. You're fine.
0: fantastic and um i'm sorry to have to disappoint brad hansen in this way but you call me a cunt quicker than he
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think actually what you'll find is that i said don't be a cunt or something like that so like i didn't technically call you a cunt
0: uh potato potato (laughs) i'm taking it and i think you know you should take it as a victory over brad okay well
1: any victory over brad is a victory for me
0: Maybe that's the hook. Maybe that's the hook of the show. It's like, okay, you, ha- you can come on, sure. Like, I'd love to speak to you, but you have to call me to come within the first 20
1: seconds. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, that works.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Becky, let's get started building your shelf. Uh, the first DVD. Also, uh, just very quickly, what format would you like your um, films to be in? Would you like VHS? Would you like Betamax? Blu ray? DVD? Awesome. What would you um, like?
1: I'm going to go blues. I'm going to go Blu ray, please, Joe.
0: Okie Kidoki, that's no bother. I'm sure we've got the budget can stretch to that. Oh, I'm
1: thank sure. you, I appreciate it. A lot of these, you know, at least at least a couple of these will definitely be like bargain bin asda ones, so it's fine. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: That, well, that, that's the the other purpose of this is is an excuse to get to know my guest' favorite horror movies, and I then get a list to go away with and and watch some wicked Fantastic. films. Fantastic. So, the first volume that's going up on your spooky shelf, then Becky. What was the very first horror film you ever saw?
1: OK, so this was a difficult one because it's many, many years ago. I'm an old lady and I started watching horror very young. So I've had to really cast my mind back. But I am pretty confident that it was The Silence of the Lambs. Oh,
0: fantastic. Right. Let's just do this now. Yes, it is. Yes, it okay? is.
1: Thank you. Yes, okay. it is. And done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, what what is there to say about The Silence of the Lambs that hasn't already been said, though? It is just... In terms of writing, it's perfect. Yes. It's a, perf- it's it's a, a perfect it's a perf- film. It's
1: a perfect film, you are correct.
0: What was it specifically that, um, that you, you enjoyed about The Silence of the Lambs the first time you saw it? So I'm th- assuming you did enjoy it the first time.
1: Oh, oh my friend. Yes, I did. I think... Um so i would have seen it i i spoke i I've, I've spoken about um science of the lambs on at least one podcast in depth um and i think the recollection was because it was out in it came out in cinemas in 92 which means i would have been like 10 and i didn't see it at the cinema but i would have seen it like on tv really soon after that like basically probably it's um premiere on tv And I think essentially my parents thought that because it had won an Oscar or five, um, that it was fine for me to watch this thriller, this Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster thriller, um, all very highbrow and Academy Award winning. Um, And I just very, very vividly remember that final sequence um, in the darkness with the um with the like infrared glasses and not knowing what this new experience was like not really understanding at the time what this level of terror could be but within such safety of like being in my living room feeling unsafe but knowing that i was safe but all of my kind of anxiety and terror just being all for clarice starling this you know incredible woman that i'd just watched like 2 hours of jodie foster being amazing and just that entire sequence and i just it, it was the first time i experienced that level of just sheer cinematic te- like terror and fear and then you come out of that, and that that relief, that release, that catharsis of Buffalo Bill's dead. She's got away. She's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Everyone's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that is that's the dragon I've been chasing ever since with my entire horror, you know, fandom.
0: I, I do wonder if that is entirely what it's based on—is that love of trying to get that first one because I feel like the first one that properly gets you it sort of unlocks something in mm. us very broken weird people <laughs> that we're like I, I would I, say,
1: I would say speak for yourself but that is devastatingly accurate well
0: you know like <laughs> I'm quite perceptive on these things so um, why why do you think there is a question mark over is this a horror oh, film because people are
1: fucking snobs they're boring snobs joe who for some reason think that they're above it they think that they're above horror and so if there's a film like this that they like because it's five stars no notes um they're like oh but i don't like horror films it must be a psychological thriller it's like get over no. yourself Do you know what i mean
0: <laughs> okay uh it's it's uh a startlingly amazing First entry, so that DVD is, uh, sorry, the Blu-ray is very, very securely on your shelf. Lovely, thank you. Uh, your second disc then, which film scared you the most?
1: Is this like scared me the most ever or scared me the most like when I was a kid?
0: It is however you would like to interpret it. If you want to do some sort of Frankenstein like double disc DVD <laughs> thing. We well, have the technology, we have the budget to do that. I,
1: I love that, I, I appreciate you. But um, I've sort of got two answers, and I will settle on one. Um, but the first one that... The the one that kind of, even beyond the um, infrared darkness sequence in Silence of the Lambs, because that... Like, the whole film is really, like, scary, especially for a young mind. But it didn't get me... i I'm, I tend to be more scared about like supernatural stuff, like supernatural kind of like ghost films or like demons and things like that, which is ridiculous because I have no faith at all. Um, so I don't believe particularly in this stuff. I believe in serial killers. I believe in cannibals. Um, I don't necessarily believe in like ghosts and demons and, you know, all of that kind of thing. But I do find supernatural horror really, really te- really terrifying. So um the first one that I watched that genuinely like all the way through it really, really shat me up was the Amity- Amityville horror. Um
0: the, the original. The original, one
1: one. yeah. The James Brolin, um what's her name? Uh Margot Kidder? No. Yes, no?
0: I'm, I'm going to really massively disappoint you here. Uh, you haven't I seen haven't it. Seen, no, the, and this is, the, this the is part of the trouble with doing this. It's
1: a the, banger.
0: I've, I have heard also... The, what I have seen, however, is the remake, which, let me tell you, is dog shit. Yeah, I haven't, I
1: haven't seen
0: that one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, saving yourself some time. Do not bother watching that. It's awful. But yeah, <laughs> okay, so the Amityville Horror. Literally start to finish grip with terror that's yeah
1: sort of kind of it is margot kidder i've just checked i should have just trusted myself and gone with it um she yeah I'll
0: edit, it out. I'll edit it out so it makes you look like super duper smart mm,
1: because... she's on it she's got all of this like encyclopedially in her brain encyclopedially there's a new word whereas actually i've just got letterbox pulled up on my browser um yes pretty much start to finish i mean you know it starts off as a lot of haunted house Films do where a kind of young family move into a new house, and um, this is based on a true story. She says with bunny ears, um, and so it sort of starts quite calmly, and then really ramps up as the film goes on. So you know, it's not like um, uh, sort of edge of your seat terror from literally the moment the opening credits roll but it definitely really just grabbed me and again i was too fucking young i was watching it in bed on my little tv um it would have been on like bbc2 or something too late at night um and i already had an interest in this stuff and i watched it and i was like oh okay so nowhere safe then it was just like it's not like you know there's a shark coming to get you or a serial killer coming to get you, it was like, this shit is in the walls, it is like, there are swarms of flies, and there's a portal to hell in the basement, and there's like, goo coming out of the wallpaper, like, it just felt, I think it was probably my first exposure to, like, real sort of fucked up haunted house stuff, where you're like, I'm not safe at home, um, and so, yeah, like that definitely really creeped me out. And the other, um, the other example, which I'm, so I'm going with Amityville horror. I'll tell you that now, sure. but the other example, just to bring up, because I actually couldn't get beyond like the first five minutes of it was the original Hellraiser. So I had been watching, um, you know, stuff like the Omen, um, and science of the lambs and and amityville horror and and stuff like that so sort of like like scary but not like like hellraiser 87 is a very grown-up movie and i was very much not a grown-up and i was like i've heard of pinhead i've heard of hellraiser it comes on like channel four or whatever and I started watching it and very, very quickly realised that I was out of my depth and had to turn it off. Um, so that was the one that kind of scared me so much that I actually couldn't even continue with it beyond all the hooks and shit.
0: See, that really surprised me. You're, you're quite a fan of the original really? Hellraiser, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, trust me. But I'm Fantastic. 40 now, Joe. <laughs> like, you know, now I'm a grown-up.
0: Fantastic. I mean, you, you can't bring up Hellraiser and us not say... Fucking hell, Julia's a bit fucking crazy.
1: <laughs> she might be my favourite female. female. I was going to say antagonist, but she's kind of protagonist, like anti-hero, I don't know. Um, I just love her. She's absolutely phenomenal. As I said recently um, on the final girls, Julia hammering men to death for dick. So, you know, I mean, who can't <laughs> respect that?
0: Yeah. and I th- What was the other thing you said? Oh, she so badly wants to fuck this guy who's made out of mush.
1: I think that was actually I think that was actually Anna, but yeah, we, we oh, definitely we definitely thing. like double teamed that one.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so we have a, a lovely pristine copy of the Am- Amityville Horror. Thank you very much. Which perhaps it's got one of those little um, flyers inside that's just a little reminder. Oh, by the way, Hellraiser's still available.
1: Lovely. That's a lovely idea. There good, good, go.
0: good. Uh, your third disc. Um, what's your favourite slasher? Scream. five stars no notes
1: yeah um yeah it's scream i mean i'm a 90s girl and i came to i guess i've sort of alluded to this already really so like supernatural occult um these were and sort of yeah um hauntings and stuff like this is the stuff that i cut my teeth on poltergeist um Omen Amityville and then I didn't really get involved with the kind of 80s slasher boom I was slightly too young for that even though saying that like I was probably watching in general more horror than a lot of my school friends were but they were very much like gravitating towards Chucky and and Jason icons, and yeah, the yeah the big slasher icons and that just wasn't the stuff that I was watching. I think again, sort of going back to my parents being alright with me watching *Silence of the Lambs*, they were very aware. I think that stuff like *Nightmare on Elm Street* was a an out and out horror, whereas they could look at something like Richard Donner's *The Omen* or like a, Academy Award winning *Silence of the Lambs*, and like this was the stuff that I was allowed to watch. I absolutely wasn't allowed to watch slashes. So um, I came to the slasher subgenre very late. I came to it in 1996 when Scream came out and was one of those people that watched Scream and just got none of the references, like none of them. Like I I knew what I knew who Jason Voorhees was. I knew who Wes Craven was. I knew Halloween, you know, etc., etc. But I'd never seen any of them. And so I had no kind of real grounding in slashes as a genre. And Joe, when I tell you, Scream shat me up. I watched it at my friend Sam Foster's house. She lived four doors away from me. And when it finished, I ran home. I ran full pelt because I was convinced that Ghostface was like directly behind me every step um it was amazing and yeah like properly properly scared me and then I think as a lot of people sort of um who came to Scream maybe as their first slasher or the first one that they kind of really got into it was then just like a playbook and then you know I was able to kind of go and and take all of those references and and fill in all the gaps
0: Again, like the film, that answer five star no notes. <laughs> I d- I, d- I don't know what I said. the the one thing, and I I spoke to um, t- Tony from uh, Scared of Horror about mm. Scream a little while ago. And something that really sticks in my mind about Scream is that the scene where Drew Barrymore's mum comes back oh to find her on the lawn. That scream that she does, I think, might be the greatest scream in all of cinema she like she got the job because of that i'm <laughs> certain of it like it's incredible
1: yeah she's yeah that is 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 absolutely iconic um oh my god like can you yeah yeah it's just like that and i'm not going to say anything new but that entire opening sequence is like a perfect short horror film just in itself. I could watch that and yep. then turn it off. I never would because the rest of the film is a masterpiece. But you could very easily. And yeah, you're so right. Like the mum's scream when um, when Casey's up in the tree is is remarkable. And then just like the way that the music comes in, like straight off of the scream. Ah, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. It's
0: amazing. It's utterly incredible. I'm due a rewatch of it, actually. I, I might, it I might rewatch
1: it after this.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, I mean, to reinvent a genre once is what I guess (laughs) most filmmakers dream of, right? But to do it, what three, four? How many times do we think that Wes Craven did that? You know what? Just oh,
1: master of the craft,
0: perfection. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Okay, cool. So yeah, crisp Blu-ray of Scream. It's up on your shelf. Lovely. Okay, number four. What's your favourite? And this is intriguing, given your uh, second answer. What, what is your favourite ghost or haunting horror? I, I left that kind of open. Not necessarily haunted house, but a haunting, the ghosty sort of thing. You know what I'm going for?
1: <laughs> I do. It's it's Ring or like Ringu. It's it's the Japanese Ring.
0: Okay, um, talk to me about Ringu. Uh
1: I'm a Japanophile. Um, I'm just intrigued and in love with and obsessed with all things Japan. Not all things, like not necessarily means- like the whale hunting and stuff, but you know, oh, all yeah. the good stuff. Um, I love J-horror. I had, um, I've like I'm really into kind of anime and stuff and had a lot of those like beautiful kind of, you know, manga VHS like, you know, perfect blue and um, blood of the last vampire and ninja scroll and all of that. And then building like J horror in that sort of real boom in the nineties and early noughties just took these two things that I was already obsessive about horror and Japan and smushed them together into this one perfect Becky shape package. Um, And Ringu for me is the quintessential um, like exemplary film. It's, it's perfect. And if i'm ever elevating a horror film and i don't mean elevated horror because i'm not a cunt um, if i'm ever elevating a horror to like really those those top five star perfect you know all time favorites it's got to scare the shit out of me it's got to get me on that visceral level mm-hmm. and ringu does that um i remember just being like a like a like a raw nerve during and after it just absolutely exposed and terrified and the imagery in it the black hair the eye the fingernails her movements the well the video this idea that exactly like i was saying with Silence of the Lambs, that first experience of how you can experience terror and that feeling of being unsafe, but you know you're safe because you know it's behind a screen. Ringu smashes that out of the water. You're not safe. She's coming for you and your TV screen is not going to keep you safe. Um, and it's nerve-shredding and f- fucking phenomenal.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't, Do you think that... Um... The fact that it uses technology and in, in in almost you know anything that uses technology to talk about um, you know contemporary anxieties of the, at the time um, that's what contemporary means um, do you think it still holds up even though it's old technology?
1: Yes because I remember VHS. It might be that if it was about a gramophone, I wouldn't be so terrified b- about it. But I I grew up with VHS. I had a VHS collection long before I had a Blu-ray collection, long yep. before I had uh, a DVD collection, long before I had a Blu-ray collection. Um, so, yes, absolutely, yeah. I've still got a fucking VHS player in my attic, so yes, she can still get me.
0: <laughs> I'm so jealous. I really want to get a VHS player again. I haven't had one for years but there'd be something really nice about watching like proper spooky films on just like an old telly particularly that one for sure um yeah I mean I think it really a- along with the grudge it really that, that image of the sort of the pale face and the long the black mm. hair mm. I think you know you've impacted sort of culture as a wider whole when you're parodied so quickly and (laughs) so immediately afterwards, you know. I think it really means that you've touched a nerve. But, um, yeah, um, I'm going to disappoint you massively again here, Becky. I own the Arrow Blu-ray of Ringu. And she's gone. Becky has left the chat and I'm (laughs) sat here on my own Right. It's been on my list for years. Joe! I, own, I own a copy of it. I'm so sorry. I've seen the remake and it's not that good. But it's I right. definitely I definitely wanna wanna see um the original and please please rewatch it this weekend. I, I will do. I okay, will thank do. Thank you. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Ringu It's well, it's like all of these, Becky, they're very compelling arguments as to why they deserve a place on your shelf. So Okay, so question five: What's your uh, your favorite horror TV show, Becky? What box set are we putting up there?
1: It's Buffy the Vampire
0: Slayer. Can I just show you this? I've Have you read it? Written... Written...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm so predictable. It will it will surprise nobody who has ever met me or seen like ten of my social media posts or listens to anything I've ever done um, that Buffy the vampire slayer is approximately 42% of my personality Um, it's very special to me and uh, is my not only my favorite horror TV show of all time it's my favorite TV show of all time that's because it's the best TV show of all time um, I will be taking no calls on this. No, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, yes, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, very big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> I, I was when I was uh, having my conversation with, with Brad, we spoke about, um, well, it was you know films or you know art stories, anything like that where it feels like the person who's made it has reached into your soul and your brain had a good look around and just pulled something out and go yep there you go that one's for you like Mm. just you can have that that's on me it's that that's entirely for you Mm. so is Buffy that for you then
1: (sighs) it's difficult answering that question in the way that you phrased it because um it was created by Joss Whedon, who isn't a very nice man. And I don't like the idea of him reaching into my brain and
0: looking around.
1: That's um, correct.
0: That was a very insensitive way of no, no. the question, wasn't it, it?
1: Was No, it's not insensitive. It's not your fucking fault. It's his fault. Um, but, I mean, yes. I mean, yes and no, like Joss Whedon or not. I f- can't remember oh god this is going to sound really wanky I can't remember who I was before Buffy if that makes sense like it's just so I feel like it's in my DNA now and I don't know if it's that it pulled something out of me that was already there or if it planted a seed in me that then grew into this obsession I don't I can't like extricate myself from it Mm. Um i'm i'm too obsessed and intertwined with it i just yeah i but i mean i suppose i suppose it just it you're right it just speaks to me on like a really specific level and the writing's ridiculously clever um the formative moments that you follow the characters through are so real and devastating and teach you such lessons but at the same time you're fucking like rolling on the floor laughing and um you know it's got all of this incredible like horror imagery like the the monsters the some of the monsters are the weakest like they still you know sort of visit me at night um it's just it's seven seasons of imperfect perfection so you know I could say with Scream or um, Science of the Lambs or whatever because they've got a very shorter amount of time to play with and be perfect within and if Mm. you do 144 episodes of something like they did with Buffy the Vampire Slayer it's never going to be 100% perfect but for me it gets as close um, as any other tv show has done
0: very difficult to reconcile something like that when its creator turns out to be such a monster himself yeah um, i mean
1: but you know i i think it
0: kind of it kind of belongs to us now doesn't it exa- it's not it, it's not his
1: that's exactly right that is exactly right joe that is exactly right yeah so fuck yeah. him and long live buffy
0: your sixth disc, then. Which horror movie contains your favourite jump scare?
1: Mm, I struggled with this one. Um, but I have settled on The Descent. Because...
0: And, yeah, the, the reveal.
1: <laughs> yeah, the reveal. Yep. So, lovely Louise Blaine and I... So, The Descent is Louise's favourite film and they um, Mondo did a release of the incredible score on vinyl um, a few months ago and Louise and I went to the launch of the vinyl it was at cinemas Under the the Arches down at um, Battersea uh, power station and it's this lovely it's very plush, it's quite small but it's very plush, it's got these really fancy seats and they sort of rock back when you sort of lie back in them And even though I've seen The Descent before a number of times, I haven't seen it on the big screen. And I certainly haven't seen it because as we all know, Joe, a lot to do with jump scares is about the sound. And the sound in that very small, intimate cinema was breathtaking. And the reveal of the monster behind her. And I jumped. And as I jumped back, my very fancy seat jump, like, sort of tipped back, which made me then jump again, at which point I then sort of, like, leapt across the arm of the seats and almost ended up in Louise's lap and then just spent, like, the next sort of three or four minutes with her wetting herself, (laughs) laughing at me because I just made such a tit of myself jumping at this fucking jump scare and it scared the absolute shit out of me. So I, like, I... I don't know if I like that. I might be able to come up with other. I'm sure other people would be able to come up with incredible options um, or answers to your question. But certainly, the one that is freshest in my mind is when the descent made me jump not once but twice within the like a millisecond.
0: Particularly for you know a jump scare, the that wasn't your first time watching the descent. No, surely no, it not. wasn't. So no, of course not. The, the fact that the power of it that. You know it's coming, yes, and it can still get you. Yes, is yeah. It's it is one of the best reveals. I, I was chatting to um a, a Tony on the on the show as well, and he said the same thing. We started discussing it, and I, I said to him, I watched it. I watched the Descent relatively recently again because uh, I mean I love Dog Soldiers, and uh. I like to the point I wore out my DVD. Of Dog Soldiers. I've never worn out a DVD before <laughs> since I wore I out that. a DVD of Dog Soldiers. That is
1: Soldiers. great. That is great. I have so much respect for that.
0: <laughs> the one thing that... And, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know what I'm talking about. The one thing that I would change about The Descent is there is a scene where they're discussing what to do next. And one of the the ladies looks up and sees something scuttling off. Mm. And I just think... I think that jump scare would be served so much better... If there was absolutely no indication mm. that they're not alone down in the cave. Interesting. Yeah. But I, I can see it is it's a, a masterfully done jump scare, particularly because it's you're they're on that little handheld camera, you're in the uh. cave with them, and just turn around and suddenly bang, there he yeah. is. Yep. Old Gribbly chops. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic definitely putting the descent up on the shelf excellent
1: then. excellent thank
0: you very much okay so uh it's it's recently been disco- a discovery of mine that this next question is probably my favorite of all of them which horror movie uh had the most emotional effect on you
1: i think i'm going to really disappoint you uh,
0: this is partly why this is my favorite question it's the way that everybody interprets this. Everybody I've asked so far has interpreted this in very different ways. So, give it to me.
1: It's 1982's Frank Hen and Lotta's Basket Case.
0: (laughs) Talk me through that one then, Becky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you said Emotional effect. You didn't say like what horror film made you cry the most? What horror, like whatever? What horror film made you dive Laugh into the, the deepest most? pits of fucking despair? Oh no, I auto- I automatically went negative. um
0: As you're very welcome to.
1: Thank you. It, the reason, the reason I'm going with Basket Case is because I have taken um the meaning of your question uh to be like a roller coaster of emotion. And no horror film, maybe no film, has ever given me a roller coaster of emotion like *Basket Case* has. I, I saw it the first time that I'd ever seen it at the Regent Street Cinema in London. Beautiful old cinema that was built in like the 1800s. Imagine watching fucking like, like this scuzzy, grimy New York gonzo like ridiculous little fucking puppet monster movie there.
0: I so love that.
1: It was so good. And I was there with a bunch of friends and, um, I have never been so animated in my seat during a film ever. I was like, I was like leaning forwards with my sort of hands over my mouth, I would then sort of sit back and like sink down in my seat. I would then be laughing. I would be sort of gasping and like crying out. And then by the end of the film, I had full human tears rolling down my cheeks um, because of like the ending, which I won't spoil, but the ending of this film. And I was like, Belial, no. Um, like I, I fucking loved it. And it was, like I say, it was just... It was an absolute ride from start to finish. And I don't know that I've ever felt so many feelings watching any film ever. Do
0: you know, I'm so pleased that that's the answer you've given because Jesus <laughs> Christ, absolutely. No, yeah, we're sticking with that one for sure. Great, 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 great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so your 8th pick then what was your best experience with a horror film in the cinema and I wonder what could possibly top Basket Case now
1: I mean it would have to be something pretty special and it was
0: are you going to say Basket Case (laughs) 2
1: no I am going to say The Exorcist Um, when it was re-released which must have been 199. Finally, the um, BBFC gave it um, gave it back its cinema um, rights, and we were once again allowed to watch The Exorcist. I had spent seven or eight years by this point, probably obsessing over this fucking film, being absolutely like, reading everything I could about it and being, like, watching, like, Mark Hermod's, you know, documentary about it, like, on repeat and just so, like, every morsel that I could find about it and I was so obsessed with seeing this film and I knew it was going to be something special it was like this holy grail and I knew it was going to kind of push me to new heights and finally you know it comes back into cinemas and it was it was a really really big deal and my dad took me to Guildford Odeon to see The Exorcist. I was 17 I wasn't quite old enough um my dad took me to see it and it was a religious experience um but one of the things that makes it the best experience in a cinema is that there were these two fucking boys behind us who didn't shut up for about the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And I was trying very, very hard to ignore them and enjoy the film. This film, that, as I think I have... Expressed was very important to me that I had seen it after all this time and I had been waiting a very long time These little fuckers behind me were being very disruptive and so Sitting next to my dad after about 15 or 20 minutes when it was very clear that they weren't going to shut up I turned around and I told them to shut the fuck up and then turned around and sat back down with my like adrenaline spiked because especially as a 17 year old i'm not as ready to tell people to shut the fuck up as i am as a 40 year old um and my dad was like he couldn't make his mind up i don't think if he was mortified or had never been more proud in Mm -hmm. his life but he just leant over and he was like did you just tell those boys to shut the fuck up and i was like yes (laughs) And the best thing about it was they did shut the fuck off and after about another 10 minutes they left. And I was like, OK, now I can relax and enjoy the film. <laughs> and so not only was it very special to me that I saw The Exorcist after all those years in 1999 at the cinema, but it was also quite an important moment for me as a young woman to stand up to these oiks who were sitting behind me and ruining my cinematic experience.
0: What a story of empowerment, eh? that's fantastic yeah you you just you can't tolerate it i hope they're dead now yeah i genuinely when that (laughs) happens i'm like i i really hope you get hit by a bus yeah i really i no genuinely please i was i will help you cross the road push you in front of (laughs) a what is really funny though is you say in your story like they left immediately after it's really funny how many times that is the case? You tell someone to shut up in the cinema and they go. Yeah. It's really weird. It ha- it's happened to me a couple of times now. Like, time. I
1: assume they've paid for a ticket. Right. It's just, it's such weird behaviour. This
0: is the one that I don't get. This Right, so of all the times I've shouted in the cinema, and I've shouted at people in the cinema, let me fucking mm. tell you. This one time I did it, we went to see, and of all the films, I'm still angry about this, ah! of all the films to do this in, don't fucking do this in a quiet place, part two.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> so,
0: so, we're sat there. We're trying to watch it. There's this chat burbling off behind us. So after like you know a good what was it? It must have been like a good sort of twenty, thirty minutes or so. The so they were they were chatting in such a way that I couldn't hear them too badly, but my friends next to me they were like they are not shutting up and mm. I have a reputation amongst my friend group as the one who will shout, out, shout at people in the cinema. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, stand down, let me deal with this. Stand up. I was, Oi, guys, shut up, will ya? We're trying to watch this. Sat back down. They shut up, and I was like, great, that's that dealt with. Again, but adrenaline's like, Ugh. and it kind right. of ruins your enjoyment of the film for a little bit. Yeah, yeah for a little kind bit. kind of annoying. Calm down, it gets over that. There's With 20 minutes to go, they just get up and leave. I, was, I, I just don't understand. What did you want to have? You came here for a chat amongst strangers. Yeah. And then you just leave without knowing how this ends. I just, I I don't get it. I just don't. So get odd. It. So, so odd. But no, that's that's fantastic. We're, um, yeah, we're putting The Exorcist up there because that's a fantastic, fantastic story. And yeah, quite rightly, you turn around and you tell them to shut the fuck up. What um, <laughs> what did your dad think of the film?
1: Oh, he loved it. So my dad, my dad's... Um, was actually like a real kind of influence on my horror watching it's funny because if you actually ask him about it he doesn't necessarily think of himself as a horror fan until I kind of point out to him well you took me to see the Blair Witch Project you took me to see The Exorcist We used to watch, oh my God, we used to watch Wes Craven's Shocker, like, on the regs. Like, so my parents are divorced, so it used to be, like, Friday night round my dad's. And we, like, Shocker was one of the ones that we used to watch all the time. Uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 was another one. They were two that he, like, got, like, from the bargain bin down at the um, VHS shop in, like, the big covers. Um, uh, We watched the fly together for the first time. Like, that. I remember so vividly, like, sitting there next to my dad seeing, like, the maggot birth dream scene, just being like, what is happening right now? So, yeah, he loved The Exorcist, um, and he was... He's been, like, he's been there um, at quite a number of sort of formative horror moments for me, so it's always good fun.
0: Oh, lovely stuff. Oh, that's really lovely. I'm very pleased. Number nine, then. What is... What's the most underrated horror film?
1: See, I did struggle with this a little bit. So what I've chosen is just one that I unapologetically um, defend and shout from the rooftops. I don't know if it's the most underrated horror, but I do know that it's one that has been unfairly maligned and that I think is a lot of fun and I really, really enjoy it. And it's 2019's Black Christmas Remake.
0: That's a sur- I, that is a a surprising one.
1: I really, really like this film. I think it's really enjoyable. It's very different to the original Black Christmas. It's very different to Black Xmas, the original remake. Um, and I just, I love it. Like it's become a real staple of my Christmas horror watches. Um, I've written a couple of, like, I've podcasted about it. I've written a couple of things about it. It does so much with so little, um, and I really feel like it had it had quite a hard, like it had quite a hard job um, against all of the production like restraints, and then a lot of really fucking toxic male bullshit after it came out of people who are. Quite quite well respected for one reason or another because they're middle-aged white men in the horror um like in horror criticism circles people like fucking bill bob whatever his fucking name is and like alan jones and stuff just coming out and like uncategorically saying that it was shit and it's not shit it's good but what they don't seem to understand is that by underrating a horror film like this, you are massively speaking to a lot of people who otherwise will pay money to go and see it. And you are therefore really um, getting in the way of the chances of filmmakers getting a second chance. And it made me really, really cross. And then you watch the film and it's really good. So fuck those guys. And this Christmas, watch Black Christmas 2019 because I think it's a lot of fun.
0: It's about as compelling an argument as I think you're going to get for Black Christmas 2020. Right. Forgive me if I've got this completely wrong. Is it Black Christmas that descends into actually there is a cult that's been operating in this Yeah, way? the goo. The black goo. That's it. Yeah. No, it, but yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I think it was perfectly decent. Yeah, it, I, it, I had a good time. It
1: really... It re- like it's, it's written and directed by women. It's got an incredibly strong female cast. It talks very intelligently about things like college date rape culture and um, you know like university syllabus being completely male focused and like real kind of insidious misogyny and how women aren't taken seriously when they ask for help from law enforcement and also then at the centre of it um, it's just got like really fun kind of gooey occult nonsense um i will shout black christmas 2019 from the rooftops until the day i die and if people are mad about it then they can fucking die mad
0: so black christmas is going on the shelf then (laughs) (laughs) no i i I was being glib that's yeah I, i think you're absolutely right you're absolutely right yeah It's. I I I had a really smashing time watching that film. So
1: oh well, I'm very pleased to hear
0: it. I think I need to um I need to watch it again just to refresh my memory of it because that's part of the risk of the the way this podcast works is that you know obviously I don't know what your picks are going to be so then I don't Mm. necessarily either a I haven't seen them The Ring or I can't actually remember too much about them. So no, okay. Yeah, yeah. Black Christmas is... But
1: like you said at the beginning, you know, it's giving you a list of stuff. And um, I mean, what, it's November now, so Christmas is fast approaching, That's true, yeah.
0: And you know when the best time to launch a horror podcast podcast is? Immediately after Halloween, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) All right, Black Christmas 2019 is up on the shelf. Your 10th pick, then. What's the last film that scared you?
1: Mm. The Reef.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I've seen The Reef. Is so it a shark, is
1: It's the, the, the Australian shark one where they go, out, they go out on the boat. No shockers there. Um, there's like two couples and a captain, I think. I've blocked quite a lot of it out because it was really traumatic. Um, they go out on a boat. The boat capsizes. And they basically have the choice of staying on the hull of the upturned boat uh, in the shark-infested waters or just fucking swimming for it. And so they have, like, these bits of, like, flotsam and jetsam or whatever and just have to swim. Um, And they slowly get... (laughs) And I have a crippling fear of the sea. I don't go in ever at any point because it scares me a lot. And um, I don't like things dropping away under me i also have vertigo it's an issue if i'm at the top of towers i recently couldn't watch the fall um because of that i had to leave lovely again louise blaine was she noticed my discomfort she was like let's go for dumplings i was like great let's do that because i'm not watching this um the reef is based on a true story uh, and is set in the sea with sharks and they just cut they just eat you they just come and eat you and it it uses live shark footage at points and I spent the entire time thinking I was going to throw up um or like like digging my fingernails into my palms like it was an absolute ride the things that I do for Mike Munster <laughs> because I watched this for his like Aussie horror globe trotting Patreon thing and I I don't know how much Aussie horror you've seen, Joe, but it's quite bleak. And that was that was sort of ten days where I really saw some stuff, and nothing scared me more than the reef with these sharks in the fucking open water. It was terrifying.
0: Yeah, but what scared you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you are a thalassophobe, is that right? It's the fear?
1: Is that yes? I think that's right. Yeah things beneath you the 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 gaping open the, void the fear of
0: deep water
1: oh that okay sort of. yeah but also deep space like yes. or anything where there's like a big yeah. drop
0: um i don't like so, it so here's my story about the reason i know what thalassophobia is
1: oh okay
0: and and there's a key part of this sentence i used to be scared of the same things so i used oh. to be scared of Deep water and sharks, and also like weirdly, like Lovecraftian monsters coming up to grab me. That was weirdly scarier than sharks for me. Um, Yeah, but
1: I've read far too much Lovecraft. I know what's down there.
0: (laughs) Racism. Um, And (laughs) Uh, we've we've lost Becky for two seconds. (laughs) Very funny. Thanks. So yes, the reason I used to be scared of those things is. Um, I went on my honeymoon this year, which was delayed due to COVID. Okay, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, We had been waiting for years and years and years, like for, not years and years, but like a long time for COVID to pass so we could travel out to uh, the Maldives. And I'd already made the deal with myself that it was like, if you're going here to what is one of the most amazing places you will ever be, you're getting in the water with a fucking shark. I made that deal with myself when we paid for it. And I was like, And if okay. you don't, I mean, there's already quite a lot of self-hatred going on, but I'm <laughs> going to hate you forever. Um, so the way I got over being scared of deep water and swimming with sharks is I jumped in the deep water and I swam with a bunch of sharks. Right. And it was just fine. Yeah. Like I had the sort of the, the initial, so I jumped in off this boat and I looked down and I was like, right, you know what this is going to be? you're not going to see the bottom. I looked down, I didn't see the bottom and I went, oh fuck, that's really bad. <laughs> um, and then, I literally, five, ten minutes later, I was like, oh, this is fine. And then I saw a turtle and I was like, "Ah, oh, wow!" Well.
1: Did you see sharks?
0: Uh, very, very close. There was a point where our sort of, our group was swimming along and there was a nine foot shark beneath us Uh huh. Um, and yeah, it was just—it was really weirdly fine. I was like, I'm sure I'm gonna be terrified of this, but then it just—oh, there he is. He's just chilling out down there. Well, because I'm
1: like, I like, you know,
0: I'm not scared of sharks
1: because sharks are in the sea and I don't go in the sea, so it's it's fine. I'm therefore not scared of sharks.
0: That's how they get you, Becky. (laughs) get, Get you in the sea. They're like, right. (laughs) <laughs> that has also just reminded me of one of my favourite bits of Buffy is when there is a lone shark who is a literal shark.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And they gamble with kittens. Oh, they do,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm due a Buffy rewatch as well. It's been a while. Okay, so the Reef then. We were slightly off topic um, with the Reef. But no, that sounds like a horrible, splashy time. So, yes,
1: very, very splashy, very horrible and very traumatic.
0: So... you're You've not dabbled with anything like The Shallows or... I love The Shallows. I think it's a
1: perfect movie. Uh, Jaws is my favourite film of all time. Correct. Um, I love Deep Blue Sea. Uh, I like shark movies. I do like shark movies. But there was something extremely visceral about them being just out. Because at least with the shallows, Blake Lively's on a bit of rock, right? Yeah. At least with Jaws, most of the time they're on the beach or whatever, um, or on a boat. At least with Deep Blue Sea, they're in a fucking sea station thing. Like, that's fine. It, the reef, it was too. there was too much depth, um, too much splishy-splashy. Didn't like it. Not for me. Thank you
0: okay well I'll tell you what we'll do we'll put the reef on the shelf but you don't have to watch it again can That's I just
1: fine. leave it in its cellophane yeah
0: yeah of course okay. maybe at some point maybe what you've done Becky is actually and we won't make a big thing of this you've kept the receipt for this one.
1: Oh, nice okay yeah lovely <laughs>
0: lovely fantastic okay uh, disc number 11 by my account what is the best death or kill that you've seen in a horror movie please
1: It's when David Warner gets his fucking head chopped off with a great big pane of glass in the omen.
0: I'd just like to show, ladies and gentlemen, of the jury. (laughs) For
1: fuck's sake! (laughs) Why have you even asked me?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, did you see the the recent Shudder documentary that's counting down the... the Yes, 101. And is Mm -hmm. is it Greg Nicotero who now just has that head?
1: Oh, I didn't I didn't notice he said that. Yeah, yeah, he owns... I think I was probably too angry be, that because the omen was so <laughs> fucking far down the list. I think it was in the first episode. The nerve. I know. I
0: know. It's, and that's that it's an incredible film, isn't it, the omen? So um it's the way it spins. It's the way it just somersaults, isn't it? It's just something And he's
1: got like he's got like four cameras on it. You see it from every angle. Oh, it's like the Sound design is so good. Oh, it's just I flawless. Flawless.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, uh, five stars, no nose. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. That isn't it? It's just. I, I, do you know? I, I, I really. I'm realizing now. I love that film more than I thought I did, and I thought I liked it mm. quite a lot. But I, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's a fantastic yes, it death. Is. What a lovely! Wouldn't we all love to go, Becky? By I would lo- a massive pane of glass decapitating as well.
1: I would be delighted. <laughs> <All
0: right. laughs> so the omen is, I will tell you what, we're going to do. This is okay. This is this is this is what we're going to do for um for disc number eleven on your shelf. It's the omen. Okay, yeah, it, the disc is there. She yeah. said that's fine. However, the case for the disc is actually <laughs> David Warner's head, and to access oh. the disc, you have to rem- peel back his jaw and take mm. the disc from within.
1: I love that. <laughs> can I? Can I suggest a small adjustment? Go for it. it can it be that I boop his little nose? Oh, and then
0: wow. <laughs> oh lovely, lovely David Warner. Boop. Just... And then just please, please. please. He's like <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enjoy it. So the Omen brackets David Warner <laughs> Special Edition Special wait for this. He- edition Edition, yes. Come on.
1: New besties, Joe, you and me.
0: Fantastic. Right. Okay. Uh number twelve then. One film from your favourite horror director, please.
1: It's the Fly by David Cronenberg.
0: Yeah, it's it's I mean you, you mentioned it before you, you saw this with, with your dad watching yeah. <laughs> watching a maggot birth scene. So okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Cronenberg, tell me about the fly.
1: Oh, I love body horror so much. Um I mean I fluctuate a lot between you know what my favourite subgenres are. And it's usually, like, occult and witchy. Um, But I think body horror is probably second. Like, I just... It can mean... Like, body horror can mean so much. But usually it's horrible, gooey, crunchy, painful, sexy stuff. And I love all that shit. And the king of body horror is David Cronenberg, never to be beaten. And he came back this year with Crimes of the Future. And I couldn't have been happier because it was fucking brilliant. And I was so relieved and delighted to have him back. And that he had once again smashed it out of the park. Um, And the thing about The Fly is that it is a beautiful, beautiful love story. Um, that goes horribly horribly wrong and there is something so heartbreaking about it but also something that you can at times only watch through your fingers and that's cinema
0: (laughs) I mean I I completely agree with your point the point where he vomits up on himself I thought Jesus that's sexy so, I'm sorry, that's disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the moment when he admits he said, You know, you have to go because I think I'll hurt you if you stay. It's
1: heartbreaking, yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Oh, lovely Jeff. And like, I know, lovely Jeff, like, like Jeff Goldblum and um, Gina Davies have just got the most amazing chemistry. It's so sexy and so disgusting, and I think. I vividly, I mean, I know I talked earlier about the maggot um, dream sequence, but when he is in the bathroom and he, like, presses his nail mm-hmm. and the goop, like, like the pus, like, spurts, i that, again, was a moment where, as a child, I was like, I've never seen anything like this. I've seen ghosts I've seen serial killers I've seen the antichrist I've seen big fucking monsters I've never seen something so intimate and tangible and genuinely stomach churning Um, and it changed me in that moment and for me Cronenberg just does it time and time again I think he is a phenomenal artist I don't particularly rate a lot of his dramatic stuff, um, which is why I was so fucking delighted when he came back this year with with Crimes of the Future.
0: Do you think the um, do you think the talent has passed down? Do you think Sensor was Oh my god
1: there we go mate Possessor. Not
0: Possessor, sense. that was it. I always get those two mixed up.
1: <laughs> and antiviral. Have you seen Antiviral? I haven't, no. Brandon Cronenberg is a genius. Well. Hands down genius so yes i would absolutely argue that the talent has passed down
0: that's a uh, that's one on my list then for sure to catch up with yeah i mean
1: again like properly gross like really gross and i love it
0: i, I i'm not really sure what else there is to say about the fly i mean you're absolutely right that uh, just to you know for for somebody who you know perhaps you, you don't rate his dramatic stuff quite as highly as his horror. That's not to say he can't do drama because no. when Seth's there and he says, you know, I- I'm not sure if I'm a man who dreamed of being a fly or a fly who dreamed of being a man. It's just, it, that's got to come from somewhere and it is heartfelt heart and you completely empathise with him because, you know, but yeah, it's it's. I think you're right actually about his, his dramatic stuff.
1: Um I mean a lot of people like really rate it yeah. and it's not like I think they're bad films but they're not for me. They're they're not they're not Cronenberg enough for me, but at the same time they're not they don't tap into what I look for in a just like a straight drama. No. Um so I've I've routinely been disappointed. Um, but you know when you've got a body of horror work like he's got yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm particularly um, you know missing out on choices so I'm good
0: I'm still yet to see Crimes of the Future but I am very much looking forward to getting round to seeing that one so
1: I really enjoyed it I was very pleased
0: ok so the flight is going on your shelf would you like it in a sort of novelty teleporter case at all or?
1: um <laughs> No, but maybe with like some kind of like indie cover art or something, that'd be nice.
0: Joe, you know I really thought you would say some sort of slime just cover it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just like just like a bit of like saliva or something on it. Maybe you know, a bit of the
0: pus that shoots out. Just a little sample of There
1: that. you go. Just a little
0: oop,
1: <laughs> oop, a little baggy of
0: it. Uh, Becky, we've come to your final disc. Oh. What is your favourite horror film from the last five years? Hereditary correct tell me about hereditary (laughs)
1: um so this was my other contender for my favorite cinema experience before i and i actually put hereditary before i then got down to this and i was like oh no this is where hereditary goes um i love this film more than i love some members of my family Mm um it's the, like you were saying earlier, this idea of something feeling like it's reached inside you and pulled something out and, and made it into something for only you or specifically for you. Um, it's it's like me on film. I don't even know like how else to describe it. It is so perfect. I watched it. Um, In the cinema, I then went on a beautiful summer holiday to Crete for two weeks. And I spent the entire time thinking about Hereditary. And then when we were due back, like two days or something before we were due to leave Crete and fly back to London, I was like, I might just check to see if Hereditary's still on. And so we flew back in to London. And the next morning I got up and watched Hereditary again before it left cinemas because I needed another fix. Um... It is absolutely fucking terrifying, and I love that about it so much. Um, Tony Collette is a goddess. Alex Wolfe is brilliant in it. Gabriel Byrne is brilliant in it. Um, it it just has everything. It pulls no punches it it's such a confident debut it knows exactly ari Aston knows exactly what he is doing with it exactly um and he does it with such style and like visceral terror it's it's a masterpiece. It is an absolute masterpiece. And it probably, not only like one of my favourite horror films of the last five years, it's probably in my top five horror films of all time. And sometimes I will think, but it's really recent. Like, think about all of those other incredible horror movies that came before it. Think of all of those other horror movies that you love. The Hereditary can't be in your top five. That's a ridiculous choice. It cannot be as perfect as you remember it. And then I rewatch it, and it is more perfect than I remember it. I love it. I love this film.
0: Is it as scary? Because do so, yes. you, you think it is, it is. So in between yes. the two, I mean,
1: I mean, no, I mean yes and no okay so the cinema thing was and i know i know that i'm not the only person to have experienced this because i think they actually talked about it on the 101 the 101 thing on shudder and i was like oh whoever's talking about it right now had exactly the same cinematic experience that i did which was when mm-hmm. uh uh the kids in the bed and um you it, you're all of your focus is on him in bed And you don't see her, you don't see her up in the corner of the room and then slowly you notice and then other people in the audience start to notice and you hear this ripple of shock and what the fuck and nervous laughter as people realise it as, as they sort of spot her up in the corner of the room. And there will never be that experience again there will never be that experience of spotting her for the first time and shitting your pants um but i would say that on the whole as an entire uh fear ride yes it is still really really scary every time every time
0: i i i completely i i didn't actually see it in the cinema which i was you know, I I do really regret because seeing that moment, just hearing people spotting it, because and also, it's almost an inverse jump scare because it lingers yes. for so long that it's asking you. It's like, no, no, look again. It asks, it literally asks you the question. It's like, no, we, we we're still on the shot. You haven't noticed yet. Keep going, keep going. You're absolutely right. And then I, I remember as. As clearly as you do, I was on my sofa in my flat with my wife watching it, and I spotted her before Lisa did, and I went, "Jesus fucking Christ!" She's like, what? 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 Because <laughs> it shit us up all the way through, and that is just masterful. And the, the words that you know sort of echo my feelings on it is, it's such a confident debut. It's like, yeah, he a hundred percent knows. It. No, no, just let me do this because it wrongfooted you so many times and you think you're watching one thing and then you realize okay no it's not a film about a creepy little girl as it was marketed so then you go okay so where are we going now so then it's like okay well we're investigating the grandmother character and what her background was okay so now we're getting into seance territory i guess was she a witch i suppose and then it changes again and then again and then you finally come to the conclusion of in the treehouse like It's just, what is happening in this treehouse? And I think a lot of people, like... Because I've watched it a few times now. The scene where um, they go floating up into the treehouse. That gets Mm -hmm. a lot of laughs from people. But to me, I'm like, that is fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also
0: the way that Tony Collette moves through the air. She does that weird swimmy thing. There's Mm. something so creepy about that. Tony Collette, I... She, I genuinely I think she's my favourite actor ever like I could watch her read the phone but she is so yeah. good in that film but yeah I, I'm going to watch that again tonight now aren't I <laughs> So tonight I've got to watch Scream all of Buffy and Hereditary again <laughs> I'm going be tired
1: I hope you don't have any I don't to have a busy
0: Friday. Eh? <laughs> okay yeah no Hereditary is a, a very very confident and welcome addition it's the final addition to your shelf, Becky. Uh, what a ride it's been, eh? So I'll remind you of the delights of your spooky please. shelf. Okay, so we begin the shelf. Again, not in alphabetical order, because that's mental, if these were. Uh, we start off with The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, we then follow with The Amateurville Horror, with a, a, a nice little leaflet of um, Hellraiser in there.
1: That's right, Three. yeah, lovely.
0: Ringu. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the entire... Do do you want them in separate sort of box sets? Or is it all in one thing? It's a slim thing? What is it? What?
1: Um, So, now, I've only got the DVDs rather than the Blu-rays. Um, because I've still got my original um, collection from when I was a nerdy teenager, um, and it's really fun because it's like a red box, and then each of the seven seasons has its own like cardboard slipcase, then with all of the um, like plastic yeah. dividers that the CDs, the the DVDs click into, and then each of the seven bits on the um, like the uh, the sort of spines. It makes up Buffy's face, so you can do a really fun thing where you, like, swap over, like, <laughs> three and two and her, like, mouth and nose are the wrong way up, which I really enjoy. So I'd hate to miss
0: okay, out on so that. Okay, so it's an out-of-order Buffy the Vampire Yes, That's please, like yeah. Original DVD Yes, <laughs> yes <set>. please. <laughs>
1: so that it looks like, a, like she's a bit... Like when you, one,
0: when you fold a fiver and make the Queen look a bit weird. Exactly. Yes. Okay. You've got cool. it. You've got it. Um, the Descent is on there as well. Uh, with added um, lean back chair as well.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, important. (laughs)
0: The most surprising of all of them, Basket Case, is there. (laughs) In between The Descent and The Exorcist, I'm not sure if Basket Case has ever been collected in any...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I could not, I could not have chosen... Three more Becky <laughs> films like that well, is ridiculous. I'm really, I'm really showing that's my eyes. What
0: we're looking for in this podcast: so, <laughs> yeah, uh, Basket Case, The Exorcist, The Black Christmas remake, which I am also going to watch tonight. So I'm going to be extremely tired tomorrow morning. Wow. Uh, the Reef, uh, which we don't need to speak about anymore because it sounded horrendous. No, uh, the you. Omen brackets David Warner severed head edition, where you boop his nose and the disc comes out of the him. <laughs> Uh Thank we you. then have the fly with some indie art and a bit of um pus spurted onto it. And yeah, finally lovely. confident debut hereditary. That is your spooky shelf, Becky. It's all right, isn't it? It's not bad, you know. If that is all right. If you're gonna do a, a sort of a, a little festival over a weekend or something, it might need a bit longer for the Buffy stuff, but <laughs> it's a very, very welcome collection of films. So Becky, this has been such a laugh doing this thank you so much for just you know taking a punt on a podcast that as yet doesn't exist um, <laughs> <laughs> um i'm going to end this in the start of mike Munzer. where can everybody keep up with you becky
1: um well firstly thank you so much i have had an absolute blast doing this 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 is very much like i love these sorts of questions and you've been a brilliant host and i've had an absolute pleasure like chatting to you this evening so thank you very much for asking me my
0: pleasure
1: um where can people find me well for the time being depending on whether or not twitter still exists when this comes out you can find me on twitter still currently the best place but who fucking knows. Um, I need to learn about Mastodon, apparently. I don't fucking know. So, <laughs> at Bunny Dark on Twitter. Um, I'm at Becky Dark, I think, on Letterboxd. Um, I've got a Patreon. If you like my podcasting and writing and stuff and want to sling me a few quid, um, I am patreon.com forward slash BunnyDark. Um, yeah, that's it. That's me.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for uh, building your spooky shelf.
1: Thanks, Joe.
0: There you go. That was Becky Dark putting up her very own spooky shelf. I really love the idea of that David Warnerhead spitting out a DVD when you boop his little nose it's so cute remember to subscribe to the Spooky Shelf Podcast wherever you get your pods you can find me at Spooky Shelf Podcast on Instagram or at Joe Ducaro but I understand that that's tricky to spell because it's Belgian next week I have another incredible guest coming along to put up their very own Spooky Shelf I've been really lucky early on with who I've managed to get to record on here so keep your eyes out for the next one it's going to be an absolute smasher Thanks very much to Cosmin Itchim for creating the incredible photography and artwork for this podcast, to Lucy Lane for general podcast advice, and to Rahul Coley and Mike Flanagan, who will one day be recording their very own episodes of The Spooky Shelf, I am sure. I'll be back next week with another big old Spooky Shelf. Until then, have a lovely week and see you next time. Bye! Bye.